Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome, welcome. It is the Alana Inquirer podcast. It is Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper on what is a very entertaining, interesting, long day of covering Illinois basketball, really college basketball. Uh, we're just talking to uh, Michael Tulip, who's going to join us uh, in a little bit about how this is a pretty entertaining day. Uh, the transfer portal has added a little bit of like an NBA free agency or a signing day kind of element to all of this. But Derek, it is uh, Illini Choir after dark. So uh, I made the executive decision that, yep. Uh, it is time to crack open a beer and do a podcast. So cheers, everybody that is watching. Over 400 people already. You think it's a big Much day? Needed. think it's a big day for uh, Illinois basketball here, Derek Piper, but it is almost over for you, Derek. How's it feel? I'm exhausted, so uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. The, the beer tastes good. Uh, we're going to celebrate more once this thing uh, reaches a conclusion. Still waiting on Coleman Hawkins, which might as well just say it. We invited him to come on the live pod, and We'll see what happens here in the next hour, hour and a half. He sent you a text. You can, you can, you can put that out there if you want. Yeah, he uh, he texted me back and said, "Still don't know yet." So, do you believe I, him? I, I don't know if not I believe. necessarily. No, I do I appreciate th- his uh, Twitter game today, though. Yes, uh, you know this is kind of crazy. It's kind of ridiculous, but it's all in good fun. These are. These are big decisions, obviously, and I don't blame these guys for taking their time. I know some people have gotten really antsy about all of this, Derek, but these are multi-million dollar decisions uh, and life-changing decisions for these guys. So if Coleman is, is truly up in the air until the final hours, I don't blame him. Game Gather as much information uh, as you can, but uh, there's plenty more to talk about. We're going to try and go live until Coleman decides, so he's got an hour and 40 minutes uh, I guess he doesn't have to announce it to us until then, but we should know uh, by then. But uh, Coleman's got an hour 40 minutes. I wouldn't be surprised if he milked that a little bit. And uh, we'll be here until we do. We might add another guest to this as well later on if uh, we need to extend this a little bit. But it's a huge day for Illinois basketball, number one, Derek, because Terrence Shannon Jr., the all-Big Ten first-team guard, is back with Illinois. Uh, and I got plenty of thoughts on this. I got one key point that you know Brad Underwood can take his criticism for certain things, but he is elite at one thing that I'm going to get to here in a little bit. We'll talk about Ray J. Dennis, how this all impacts the pursuit of him. Uh, we'll talk about the, the NIL impact and what the roster is starting to look like. But I know you touched on this and you're what it means, Colm, Derek, but this is the biggest development of the Illini offseason. I think it will be regardless because Terrence Shannon is a proven college basketball star that I think can only get better. He's a fifth-year senior now. He's one of the best guards in college basketball, and he is back on your team. Just a monstrous development, the biggest development of the season. Now that I need to add more pieces, we can get to that, but to have this cornerstone changes everything for Illinois basketball next year. 
It does. Yeah, it gives you a chance to really compete in that top end of the Big Ten. We'll see how some of these other dominoes fall with Coleman. Obviously, need to address the point guard, and that wait continues to go on with Ray J. Dennis. And if it's not going to be him, who is it going to be? It's come down to the wire here, back to Illinois and Baylor. But uh, not to belabor the point, like Terrence is a, a huge deal. Like you said, first-teamer by the coaches, 17 a game. He's a proven star in college basketball at the high major level, which you don't have on your roster. So while point guard positionally I think is the most glaring and comes to mind, especially with what happened last year with this team, is a big shortcoming. Like You didn't have someone that on your roster could step in and be who Terrence Shannon was uh, if you weren't to get him back either. So – uh, a credit to Brad Underwood and the staff, number one, and I wrote about this. I think they've done a really good job. We talked about it, building this roster with a, a really nice supporting cast, one that complements Terrence well, puts him in a position to have some more experienced guys around him, so guys that can shoot the three a little bit better and everything like that. And from the very outset of the offseason, they have approached this like there was a very good chance that Terrence could come back. And even though we've looked at mock drafts and said, hey, this is someone that's projected in the early second round we usually anticipate guaranteed money and it went down to the wire because the Orlando Magic worked him out at 36 there in the second round so early second round and uh, Terrence wanted to see if he could get a guarantee or a promise or something that gave him a, a really good idea that he would go in that spot it didn't work out that way uh, for him to come back to Illinois I think it's a vote of confidence in Underwood obviously he enjoyed his time at Illinois, trusting Brad to put him in a great position to further develop his game. That goes along with Tim Anderson, someone that he's known for almost his entire life, and Tim's trained a lot of pros, and I think that uh, it speaks to him because Terrence didn't go somewhere else to train this offseason. Like, he's stuck in Champaign to work with Tim throughout the pre-draft process leading up into the Combine. Adam and then Fletcher. When you, yeah, when you see the way he tested <laughs> at the Combine with the three-quarter court sprint, I mean – faster than most of the field, including guards, his lateral quickness. Those are things that they, especially laterally, really tapped into once he got here from Texas Tech. Uh, Fletcher, Adam Fletcher did a really, really good job with him. So he's back. He's leading the charge. He's an alpha. And hopefully he, he can further embrace a leadership role. And it, it starts with him. And, yeah. and if you can get Coleman back tonight, that's a huge deal. And I think Terrence helps you. I, I think Terrence helps you with Coleman. I think Terrence can help you with Ray J., and that just adds into even more of why he's the biggest piece. Yeah, I want to dive into that leadership element uh, a little bit later on, especially when Mike gets on the podcast and, and how he can improve uh, with another season. But Derek, I, I kind of teased this. We can criticize Brad Underwood for, for NCAA tournament. Is he going too all in on Ray J. Dennis? We can determine that probably within the next couple of days. Um, and, and continuity has been kind of an issue here recently. But Brad Underwood is elite at one thing. And that is getting an extra year out of his superstars. Like, getting Ayo Desumu for a second season was big, but a third season? No one expected him to be able to do that. Kofi Coburn for a third season, right? That led to two of the best seasons uh, in recent Illinois memory, right? You, you go to the get the number one seed, you win the Big Ten tournament, the next year you win the Big Ten championship. I know the NCAA tournament success is not there, but to get those guys back changed your program both in the short term and the long term to get Terrence Shannon back for another year none of us expected that last year when he committed we just thought oh this guy's gonna go to the NBA most likely and he could have he absolutely could have maybe been a top 45 pick I don't know where he would have been but he probably would have at least gotten a two-year deal you know maybe certain guys didn't like playing for Brad Underwood maybe certain guys haven't done it but the stars man like they have decided to come back and that's been an absolute game changer for Brad Underwood and his program 
Yeah, hundred percent. And it also speaks to the just the commitment from the fan base and the NIL support. Like that's a huge factor in this. Obviously, you're not getting Kofi back if that situation isn't there for him. Terrence probably doesn't even stay in college to even transfer last year if NIL wasn't a factor. It helped Illinois land him, and then to just have a situation where you can put in front of him like, hey. A two-way contract's a no-brainer for you. You go to the NBA, you get a two-way for sure, land somewhere in that second round. That's a $500,000 non-guaranteed contract. But for Illinois to be able to do better than that NIL-wise and provide a, a better financial route for him, that obviously helps. Not to take away from Brad because you do have that relationship uh, and the fact that his stars go to bat for him. Like Terrence this spring when Jaden leaves and there's a lot of talk about his intense coaching style and everything, and some guys not liking that, whether those that didn't play enough, like a pods, or those that played plenty and didn't like how they were coached, or for whatever reason. I, Terrence appreciated what Brad pulled out of him, the relationship that they had. Io's I obviously been a huge advocate. Kofi uh, as well, same thing. So, uh, yeah, he's been able to get those those decisions to go his way. He's been able to uh, maximize some – some opportunity there where all right derek sorry do mean to cut you off we have breaking news we we do have uh some breaking news here and i've seen it from multiple reporters john rostein and jonathan gavoni both report that coleman hawkins is withdrawing from the nba draft and returning to illinois what a monstrous day for Illinois basketball. I'm going to sit here and, and publish our story that we have ready to go, but that's the biggest takeaway. You return your two best players. I mean, Matthew Meyer was in that conversation as well, but he was out of eligibility. You return those guys, Dane Danger, you've added these transfers. You get a chance to go get a point guard now. Uh, Illinois is a contender in the Big Ten. Like Michigan State and Purdue, we'll get into that. Like Those are the favorites, but getting Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon back is a season changer for Illinois and potentially a program changer for Brad Underwood to continue this high bar of what they've built. It's massive. And how many times through the the process where Illinois was down for a number of years and even building it back up, did you just want the consistency to have a crack at it year in and year out? And Michigan State's been one of the staples that each and every year going into a season, like they're going to be – a pretty darn good team, probably a, a top 25 caliber team. Purdue's in that realm as well. And Matt Painter's been able to put together. Illinois, while, yes, you always come back to the tournament success and going on that extended run, like getting Terrence and Coleman back puts that right back into into the into the picture. Like, you have a chance to answer that this upcoming year. Yes, you need the point guard. But the fact that you get that to go for you – I know I was I was digging through some of the Bark Torvik numbers and going into today, just based on what was known on the roster, obviously no Terrence, no Coleman, uh, no no Ray J or anything. You're 51st. I mean, pretty much a bubble team, and there would be a lot of uh, a lot of holes in that roster if you look at. Okay, we got a, a nice supporting cast. We're probably gonna have to ask a lot more out of a, a Marcus Damas, Quincy Gary would have to be a star on your team to get Terrence back. That vaulted you to 31, 32. You get Coleman in that mix, you're a borderline top 25 team at a point guard, and you're back in there in that top 25 range. If you get Ray J. Dennis along with those two, you're 18th. That's based on Bart Torvik. And I was digging through some of the the history of the, the preseason AP top 25. I couldn't find another stretch where this would be, if Illinois does make it this year, mm -hmm. a preseason top 25 team. That'd be four straight years. I couldn't find another 
four straight year window where Illinois has been a preseason top 25 team four years in a row. That would be, look, it's preseason. You want to be where you want to be late in the year, but that just shows the roster building, making it where you have a chance to compete every year, be relevant every year. And they are maybe one step away from being that if they can get that point guard to go with these guys. All right, let's not delay uh, Michael Tube. Great stuff there, Piper. Michael Tube, what a day for Illinois basketball. Thoughts? <laughs> uh, just watching you guys process that in real time was was special. Man, I <laughs> I had to go get myself an adult beverage, too. You did. Good Lord, man. Cheers. This is, what a day. What a day this has been. I mean, what, what does this say about those guys, their, their process of going through this, Mike? Um and Brad Underwood and, and, and his program. I mean, it's, it's interesting because obviously these guys weren't locks. Um, I also wanted to say, and Derek hit on this, what a big win for Icon Collective. Uh, what a huge day for Illinois' NIL efforts. You know, Kathleen Knight leads that, and she's put together a good crew here. Um, this is what you want. Uh, we've seen football, I think, kind of goes under the radar of retaining your stars. They've used that money to retain stars, and we know Illinois went and got some stars basketball in part nil played a big part in, in terrence shannon and, and matthew meyer but to retain these guys mike it's a game changer that that illinois can afford it um, and they yeah. they have the the power to do this this is monstrous for the program it is and i think the first place we always look right is nil and i think secondly you have to look at just what you know these guys could have put their name in the portal and gone and got money from somewhere. And I think it speaks to Brett Underwood. It speaks to the program and it speaks to what Illinois means to them, I think. And I think we saw that in the one year that Terrence was there, um, that he really bought into it, bought into being an Illini and, and uh, being an ambassador of the program um, in, in his short time. So uh, it's huge. It, and, I'm still trying to process all of it because it's, you know, I, I hop on and it's, you know, Coleman just announces and, um, but it really is a great, a great day for the program. And now, now you put yourself in position to go and uh, go and get some sort of point guard. And I was asked on radio earlier today, uh, you know, if I were to rank the point guard and Coleman and Terrence in terms of like, who's most important or whatever. I like it's, it's Terrence and Coleman um, because they set the table for what could come next uh, in terms of going to get a point guard. Cause now you have some finality to your roster and it's not just, Hey, we think this guy's going to come back. They're back. So now that that really works into your pitch. Well, all right. Um, Mike, how can Terrence and Coleman help themselves for the NBA. I mean, that's part of the decision here. I want to get more of the Illinois part of this, but how can they help themselves? I mean, I think they both can take a step forward. And you know, with Terrence in particular, you, you bring a first-team all-league guy back. And when I tweeted out earlier when I was talking about him coming back, I was going to say, hey, he's a guy that could could be a player of the year type guy in the, in the conference. And then Zach Eady announced that he was coming back. So um, I'm glad I kept that one in the holster. But <laughs> – Look, I think for both of them, they were both pretty overextended last year uh, on on both the offensive and defensive end. Um, on the offensive end, I think 
the the search for scheme and the search for figuring out the flip in the middle of the year to to running spread and although i think there's ways that that helps both of them uh getting some more structure i think there were it became very clunky and robotic and those are i think two guys that I, that that work well when they're playing with other guys that really know how to play and you wouldn't address that uh, I think, you know, Quincy Garrier is a guy that knows how to play. Marcus Domas is a guy that knows how to play. You watch Justin Harmon, another guy who has great feel. And then you mix in the guys that are coming back. I think you know what Sincere Harris brings. Uh, it's a little bit different than what a Luke Goody brings. But um, all those guys, I think those those pieces make sense. And when you look at that kind of top 10 that they have, assuming that they add a point guard, um, it's deep. It's deep. And, and, I, and I think that's an important, especially when you get into the dog days of conference play and all, and all that so they go out and get a point guard I think it helps both those guys and and look I think we focus so much on Coleman like man shooting the ball shooting the ball that's not the reason that he's at the point that he's at with the NBA and, and whether they see that or not he's still going to get his shot based off his feel and the shooting's just going to be kind of icing on the cake so um, I mean I always go back to guys that have gone into the league albeit it was a different time but like Brooke Lopez came in the league and didn't take a three for the first six years of his career um, so it's possible that you can get worked in like that, but I don't know. I think both of them have a chance to to obviously take a step forward, but part of that's going to be predicated on how they close this out. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Yeah, Derek, how do you feel the roster around them uh, impacts Coleman and Terrence in the what Illinois can do next year. Obviously, we got we'll hit on the point guard here in a second. But they got to add that if they want to be a, a real contender here for for big things. But how do you feel the other pieces they've added already fit around Coleman and Terrence? Yeah, like Mike was saying, I think that the secondary playmaking is just there across the board a lot more. When you have, I think Ty takes a step forward. I liked what he did in ball screens late in the year. I still think that in spots is kind of that point forward that can facilitate some stuff. And, and really for Coleman, I know a lot of the, what went into what does the situation look like in Champaign this year versus last year is, I mean, he felt like he was kind of the bailout guy a lot of times and, and having to take some of those late clock shots and a lot of pressure on him to be the, the quarterback and try to uh, direct traffic and everything. So you still need to address that with a legit point guard. But the fact that, like, Damask is is a great passer. That's, like, maybe the number one thing that I notice when I'm watching him on film. I, I just love his passing, his anticipation, his IQ. Uh, he's in a better position now to where defenses aren't solely locked in on him. So, I think his, his shot-making efficiency should go up. And that helps a guy like Terrence, too, because we saw so many clogged lanes for Terrence, especially in the half court. So, if you can get out and play in transition more, I think that, that benefits him. And then just to have – more of that gravity with – I mean, Gary A has been a, a guy that every year has improved his three-point shooting percentage. If you can do that a little bit more and get in that 37 38% range, if that's possible, that helps free up that lane uh, for for Terrence. And on that point, too, I, I really love – we can get into this. There's a million different angles to break it down. Yeah. 
I think that Gary A and Coleman, I love that combo. I think that Gary A at the four, Coleman at the five, I really like that lineup. And it creates that ideal spacing in my mind because Gary A can shoot the three. He can also play some bully ball inside uh, with his physicality. And Coleman can stretch it out too. So uh, I think some of that dynamic and then just having more experience across the board allows us to be more of a consistent team and not to have to ride that roller coaster you did last year when you had that inexperience. Go ahead and build on that, Mike. Uh, what do you think of this front court, the rotation possibilities of Quincy Guerrier, who remember a couple of years ago was all ACC, averaging about 14 and 8 for Syracuse? And then you get uh, Dane Danger back to go along with Coleman Hawkins, Ty Rogers, Luke Goody, Imani Hansberry. What do you think of that front court? Yeah, I think for, for Coleman and Quincy, that pairing in particular, I, I was really impressed when I watched Quincy in that Wisconsin game in the NIT and how he guarded Tyler Wall and and really how he fares in the post in general. And why that's so important is because you think about over the years who Coleman has had the most success on, Ron Harper Jr. I mean, some of these guys that are more traditional fours. Um, so now if you give Coleman the ability to do that, it, especially in Big Ten play, now if you have a guy like Quincy who can – who can really hold his own with fives with five men. Um, and then you take care of the offensive end as well. I mean, Pike touched on it where, you know, you have Quincy being able to space a little bit and he has improved that, that three point shooting every year of his career. Um, and then Coleman kind of, like I said, not having to be overextended on, on both ends. Cause I think last year, especially in the film sessions that we did, you know, there's a lot of stuff that impresses you about Coleman Hawkins, but some of that stuff was just so impressive because it was a guy like multitasking out of his mind. And and now when you have more, um, I shouldn't say more competent, but older, more experienced defenders around him, now he can he can narrow his focus to what uh, he has to do on any given defensive possession, and I think that only makes him stronger. Um, so I think that front court, and, and you mix in Dane. Uh, Dane's a guy that really kind of hasn't been talked about much this mm -hmm. this offseason. And and he showed so many flashes last year, uh, not only just the polish he had offensively, but um, what he can do defensively. So I think, you know, when things got thin last year, and there's obviously no slide against Brandon Lee, I think he I think he more than held his own when when he got in there. But this, you know, this type of potent front court rotation is is something that, you know, when you get popped with two fouls early or or Coleman and Quincy get in foul trouble or, or Quincy and, and Dane, like you want to have options. So that's important. All right. I want to bring back this stat. I, I brought it up with one of you guys on the pod earlier this year. Um, last year, Illinois went into the season with 102 career division one starts right now. They currently have 386 career division one starts. If they add Ray J Dennis, it'd be 496 career starts, but Piper, I'll start with you. And then Mike, you can follow up. How important is this point guard? How much does it change if they if they can land a Ray J. Dennis? I saw Yuri Collins staying in the draft, uh, I believe we saw out there. So, um, Derek, they've put a lot of chips into this recruitment so far. This offseason going pretty well from Brad Underwood. I think we can – I don't know if you want to grade it a B plus, A minus already, but uh, if you can land a Ray J. Dennis, uh, that'd be close to an A plus offseason if I've seen one. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's the last piece of the puzzle. And if you do get a difference maker that position, which I think Ray J. Dennis would be, I think you got a chance to win the league. You got a chance to go on a really, really deep run. And, and as I said, I mean, the analytics say that you could be a top 20 team nationally. So uh, the fact that a guy like Yuri Collins is out of the picture in terms of a plan B by staying in the draft, I mean, it, 
it further emphasizes the importance of Ray J. Dennis and trying to get that thing done. And I'll be transparent. I mean, it's one of the more wild recruitments I've covered in a long time. So uh, it's crazy. It, it seemed like a few weeks ago it was an Illinois Baylor battle. Uh, Utah worked their way in there. Seems like we're back to Illinois Baylor, and uh, I, I don't think we're we're too far away from a decision. It's just trying to figure out who has the right read on it. But Ray J can score it himself, three level scorer guy. I mean, shot the three pretty well last year. He, he has some some booty ball in him too. I, I mean, he did that at the MAC level. Can he do that uh, in the Big Ten? I think depending on some matchups, I think he can pr- provide that as well. I love his passing. I think that he just makes reads and decisions and, and gives a flow to your offense that Illinois just didn't have last year. I mean, you look at Toledo's analytics. I mean, they're fifth in the country, offensive efficiency, play with the high tempo. I think that he can just set the table. And I think it's important because Terrence was a really efficient spot-up guy at Texas Tech his last year there. Last year, more off the dribble stuff, kind of got put in that situation because of the point guard situation. I think that Ray J and Terrence can really complement each other well because of what attention Terrence draws for Ray J and what Ray J can set up for Terrence and obviously everybody else. So uh, without the point guard, not to say that, you know, Brad and the staff have shown they can pivot. They got other other guys to move on. If that so happens to you go past Ray J. Dennis, you don't get him. But uh, that's the guy they've targeted for a long time this spring. And I think that that would put them in position to, to really be able to roll this season and have just – I mean, he's another fifth-year guy. I mean, the, the amount of experience is just – ridiculous you are you the oldest team in the country i'd have to do the digging on that but you might be they were 293rd uh i believe last year's i think they'll be top 20 this season for sure mike um how important is this because i derek maybe we can get into it a little bit later I, I don't know the other options uh right now but mike this is a, a top option and an option you've been patient for and and really really waited on here you probably want to see it through, right? <laughs> I mean, at this point, you you got you got two of your ducks in a row. Um, you get Coleman coming back. You get Terrence coming back. And look, I mean, let's let's be honest. The pitch changes, um, and this these are two guys that are coming back that don't change the fit at all for him. Um, the fit's always been the fit, and that's that's what's so interesting about this recruitment is that's what Illinois had going for them from the jump was the fit. And no matter, you know, you, you thought maybe they could get close on NIL and, and, and be super competitive in that arena. Um, but if it came down to, hey, it's equal, well, let's go with the fit, then it was probably going to be Illinois. Baylor makes things interesting because I think the Baylor fit makes a lot of sense too. Um, by the I mean, way, you, by the way, I just want to throw it in here. Chase Aldi staying at Northwestern. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. You're good. I got the, I got the, the Trotter DM uh, <laughs> confirming it. So all good. Uh, no, man, I, I think for Ray J in particular, uh, the fit at Baylor and the fit at Illinois, very similar. Um, and, and I think it, it's really just going to come down to what, what he prefers. Look, those, these are two different. I don't know if we've talked about Ray J Dennis being potentially the player to be named later in the danger of Meyer uh, <laughs> acquisitions, I guess. But, uh, but I think for him, look, he changes things. For, for Illinois and I, I think they'll piece this together one way or the other but I think you you want to if you haven't gone all in already which it kind of feels like they have uh, now you can double down with an even more enticing um, pitch because look Coleman and Terrence returning it's not just hey we think we're going to win games we're going to win they're going to win games um, 
And yeah, Illinois is not going to suck next year. I texted Mike earlier with yeah, Terrence. Yeah, that. yeah, it's yeah. That's that's a fact. So, look, his his. I think when you watch Ray J and what he can add to this team, his first instinct at times is to score. There's no question about that. But I've always been taught in, in basketball that when you are a heavy ball screen guy like Ray J Dennis is, you need to be thinking score when you come off ball screens. Because if you're thinking score, that's how you that's how you draw the defense in. Uh, we had when we played at Michigan, my I think sophomore year, Spike Albrecht, a guy I know well, um, so I'm willing to say this, but but John Gross had the spike rule, where when he comes off a ball screen, just stay home, because he was coming off ball screens looking to pass. So it it put a lot of strain on that Michigan offense, because we knew when he came off a ball screen that we could just stay home and, and force him to make a play. Like, Ray J can do both. So he can come off, he can be aggressive, he's great in the mid-range, turnarounds, floaters, uh, get into the rim. Uh, Trotter and I have gone back and forth all the time. We're like, what is his wingspan? Because it looks it, it looks like a 6'8", six, 6'9", six, type wingspan. I mean, he, he's, he's gangly. So, like, not only is that an asset offensively, but defensively you should be able to, to really turn the screws up. Uh, as well because that's going to be needed from him as well and if they can get all of that and if they can close this out and close this recruitment out I think their uh, I think their offseason grade probably moves into the into the A range yeah Derek how do you feel about that one <laughs> I hesitate to ask you but the people want to know <laughs> um, I think Illinois is is feeling pretty good about the way it's trended the fact that you get away from the week where it seemed like Utah was going to be the destination he's been spending a lot of time out west working out with his trainer uh, there in Phoenix. He, he comes back home right before that workout yesterday with Milwaukee Bucks. And it seems like the, the family has really bought into the proximity to home, number one. I'd say it's all about that, but how could you not, as a parent, want to be like two hours away from, from driving down to your games, being right there in Big Ten country. And also, like Mike said, I think that they feel like the fit just makes a ton of sense at Illinois. And now that Terrence and Coleman are back, I think you could even argue that Illinois might be the best team. Now, Baylor still has some work to do. They're trying to get Grant Nelson from North Dakota State. He's really talented. So, um, But I think Illinois feels good, but I think Baylor does as well. And there's, it's, it's hard when you get to this point and you have just different buzz out there. There really is. Like, it's hard when you try to decipher, you know, who's getting told the right stuff. And uh, I, I think that Ray J has had a hard time, number one, boiling it down and saying, all right, I'm making a decision where – tells Joe Hendrickson a week or so ago, any day now, then he says 24-7, probably today, and it wasn't today. Uh, and it's tough to tell people no. It's tough to get on the phone and say, hey, I appreciate all the effort, but uh, and I've been out there campus and I really like you, but, but no. So I think that there's some of that involved too. Uh, obviously, he'd been waiting to see what Flagler's going to do at Baylor. He stays in the draft. That's big news for Baylor in this sense. Uh, and then Terrence and, and Coleman in Illinois gets the, the news that they want there. So I think that's important. NIL is always a factor in terms of the last minute negotiating and, and one-upping each other. It seems like Illinois and Baylor, to boil it down, are in an all-out war in the final stage of this. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked. In fact, I probably expect an announcement in the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. This is It's been a crazy recruitment. I mean, I don't blame him if he wanted to wait until today. Because now he gets clarity that Flagler's gone. So for Baylor fans, they're probably thinking, hey, that's huge news for us. 
come in, you you got the spot. Uh, but I think today went exactly how Illinois wanted uh, because his supporting cast is going to be far better and the same opportunity at Baylor of being the guy of the point guard. Now he might not be able to shoot as much, but he's got better pieces around him, which Mike, I'm sure he wants to showcase to the, to the NBA of like, all right, I got two other NBA guys I'm playing with. Here's how, how I can operate uh, in the NBA. So w- what do you think th- this is going to uh, – what do you think Illinois is telling him right now as, as they try to close this one down? Probably showing a lot of Io DeSumo and 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 showing a lot of of. T- I mean, look, this is you know Brad Underwood has at least proved proven over the years that he can put you in position um, to hear your name called on draft night. And Io obviously achieved that. And, and Coleman and Terrence, uh, you know, they decided to come back. But look, there. I mean, there was a chance that. If they stayed in, they still heard their name. Maybe it would have been in the 50s or late 40s, but there, there's a chance that that could have been two more draft picks. And now the idea is that they can, you know, accomplish that next year. But for Ray J, look, I think the sell is there. And I, I think if he just wanted free reign and just wanted opportunity, he, he would have just gone to Utah, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, clearly this comes down to waiting it out. And, and it's smart. Like as much as everybody's agonizing over the decision and, uh, you know, Pipe, I mean, seriously, you deserve like a Medal of Honor, man, for for uh, for everything you've done over the past few months, man. But uh, look, I think this is – these kids deserve a lot of credit, not only Ray J, but, but Terrence and Coleman. Like I think the way that they handled this is as frustrating and stressed out that the fan base, you know, as stressed and as they get, it's – this is smart, man. Like this is smart. It's good business, and and it's mm-hmm. good to see exactly what you're coming back to. Um, and, and let's let's be real. I mean, as much as people are like, hey, come back, like you know, come back. It's like if you were faced with potentially going to the NBA, let's not act like that's just some easy decision. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think for a lot of kids, it's hard to put that pride aside and be like, man, I like I'm going to the workouts. I have the Houston Rockets shorts. I I got my my Boston Celtics you know, uh, dry fit. I got, you know, like that is intoxicating for a lot of guys. And then to still have the, and I get it NIL, like there's, you know, it's not like they were just coming back for nothing, but at the same time, like they're coming back. They, and, and I've always mentioned it with with returners, right? There's a proof of concept. And I think with NILs, with collectives, and I'm not just talking about Illinois, I'm talking about across the country. I think people are willing to go a little bit deeper in their pockets for things that have been proven. One, I agree with you about use your leverage and and deadlines are leverage, right? And waiting is is leverage. And then you get a chance. Like Derek, what'd you say today? What was your, what was your biggest takeaway of this entire process? Indecision equals dollar signs. Yeah, like absolutely. So take your time. And I think this is kind of what it's going to be moving forward. And fans got to get ready for it. It's entertaining. Maybe it's painful. Maybe it's maybe it's hard to go through. But uh, I think they've they handled this really well, and I think Ray J is doing the exact same thing. So um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but Derek, like m- moving forward here, like if they get Ray J Dennis, if Illinois can close on that one, optimism. How good can this team be? They can win the Big Ten. They can go on a, a very deep run, second weekend, chance at a Final Four. We have to see how it all clicks. I don't want to – I think talent-wise, usually can come up with 15, maybe 20 teams, depending on the year, that can really go on a, on a Final Four run. Now, when you see 
Florida Atlantic this year and San Diego State, you would have had to expand it a little bit further in the preseason to, to come up with those names. But I just think they check a ton of boxes. And I, I love the fact they have the experience, the point guard that can, can start the drink. You got the the pros and, and Terrence and Coleman. And you got some returners that outside of those guys that can take it a step forward. Like Ty Rogers can be a dude this year. Like mm-hmm. He showed it down the stretch last year. If that comes into the fold along with Gary A, who's been a, a productive high major player and maybe he's now in a better fit now, not playing the three at Oregon versus playing now the four, small ball five at Illinois. You have Damask being more of a, a supplementary piece that doesn't have to draw all this attention offensively. And Coleman is a big addition in particular for defense. And I think that's a big deal because if he were not to come back, that's more minutes for Dane at the five, even Gary A at the five. And you'd have some limitations defensively. I mean, Coleman effectively guarded Zach Eady in West Lafayette. So there there was that on the table. We know he can hedge out on ball screens and everything. I think Mike makes a great point when he talks about, and I think this is this is huge, but I think it's more of a seamless transition if you get the point guard, especially establishing that offensive system early in the summer. I think it just goes back to ball screen. I mean, it, not to make it sound simplistic, but Brad Schoen with IO, ball screen offense. Juwan Evans at Oklahoma State, ball screen offense. Use that, that transition game. It just – that can open a lot of things up. And, and I think you have some of the older vet, veterans that are in those those role player spots to, to kind of have more of that IQ, the cutting and, and everything, knowing how to play, like Mike says. I, I think that's really important. I, I think they could, they could be really, really darn good. Mike, I want to ask you, Doug asked a question on the chat, and, and you can weigh in with your questions. We'll get to some of these as we go along. What does the offense look like next year? Do they try more five out with some more structure? If the point guard is young, do we move more towards spread or something a little less fluid? So I'll throw that out there, Mike. Like, What's the offense look like based on what point guard they get and with these guys coming back? Yeah, I mean, Pike touched on it. You're going to have a lot of high pick and roll, middle ball screens, you know, depending on if you have Dane in at the five, um, you know, some 21 action on the sideline, you could have, you know, empty sideline ball screens. There's a lot that you can do when you do have a point guard, when you have somebody um, that can, that can operate in ball screens. But I think, you know, you're going to put together a plan, a contingency plan and um, say, Hey, here's our roster and here's how we want to structure things. And then you're going to get into summer workouts and summer practices. And you're going to see, you know, what guys rise. And because you could say, Hey, we, you know, Marcus Damask and, this and that and then guys come in and they're at a new level and and all of that has to be kind of sussed out and and you have to see what you have um they're going to be repping things i'd say they're going to be repping kind of a myriad of things the five out and and i i made this point during the season when you don't have shooting okay and when you don't have good movement off the ball and guys that have great feel offensively five out is a nightmare in a bad way because, you know, as much as people think, oh man, the lane is wide open, there's all, it's actually not. Because, and I think we talked about this on a pod before a film session, Jeremy, but like five out brings more people in gaps. Mm-hmm. Think about five out versus four out, one in. Four out, one in, you have Kofi, you have Dane in the paint. Now there's only, you know, you have the ball of my defender and there's three guys on the perimeter in gaps as opposed to four. So that's why it looked the way it looked last year when you don't have shooting and when you don't have creativity with off ball movement, like it gets really hard to get through driving lanes. Now, if you can burst through the first layer, then maybe you can get around and, and, and score, but 
you still have to burst through that first layer. So I think that, yeah, maybe there are some other elements of five out if you feel like you have a team that has that type of feel. Like a lot of NBA teams run five out, but there's a reason because they're NBA players and they have great feel. Um, but absolutely, there's going to be more high ball screen, middle ball screen, sideline ball screens this year. Mike, I want to – yeah, go ahead. Real quick, I, and we could go an hour on, on this. We got all summer to break this thing down. But, like, yeah. Coleman at the five, like pick and pop, short roll stuff, I think with Ray J, that's really intriguing too. Uh, I think that, you, can, you know, Gary A in like a, a dunker spot or, or flash out to three, the mass backside cut. And not to – I know we do trend, tend, and I, I'm guilty of this, like not mentioning Dane enough. Dane, yeah. runner down the, the middle, kick out, repost. Like there's a lot of different things you could do out of that. You add – you add a guy like Ray J Dennis to this. I mean, depth wise, it's not it's not as good maybe at the top is his twenty and twenty one, but depth wise, you're getting there. You're, you're getting to where you got the options. He might even be more versatile. It's just the two top guys you had were all Americans that year. Um, Mike, I, I wanted to bring this up. Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins, the leadership wasn't good enough last year, but those guys have it in them. And now they've, they've had another year, and now you get older guys around them. What's that mean to bring them back from a culture, locker room, leadership standpoint? It's big, and I touched on it earlier when I, I tweeted when, when Terrence was coming back. But, you know, I think everybody views leadership as a vocal thing, and I'm not sure that's, that's Terrence's thing. No. You know, you can, you can watch him, and, and he'll get on guys or he'll talk to guys. Um, but Terrence's leadership is, is very subtle. Um, he does it through his work, uh, very much like one of my teammates, Nana Egwu. Um, yeah. I mean, he was just a worker, man. And, and you felt like an idiot when you weren't working like he was working. So I think the same thing goes for Terrence when you're showing up for practice 45 minutes before practice and Terrence is already in a sweat because he's been working out for the last hour. Yeah. And, and, that, and that sounds so trivial, but it's, it's a real thing and it, and it really permeates and with, with new faces, when you talk about bringing in the freshmen, right? We haven't talked a ton about Gibbs Lawhorn and Hansbury. And, um, but then you bring in Quincy and you bring in Harmon and, and Damask and, and whoever this point guard could be. And having that guy is kind of, you know, the guy where you're like, oh, man, that's, he's setting the tone. Like, that's, that's huge. And, and I think, you know, Coleman as well. I mean, Coleman, you could tell he was frustrated last year. Um, but Coleman's going to be surrounded by a little bit more experience. And the two things that I'll hit on why it's going to be easier for Terrence and Coleman. Um, the first thing with older guys, you know, everybody says like, Oh, vets, they've, they've been there. And it's like, well, what is, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right? Like they've been there. Um, older guys, the reason why vets, the reason why they win is because the turnaround time is shorter. Like you understand there's peaks and valleys in college basketball. And there's, and there's a reason why younger teams sputter, because they can't fully handle it. And it's the, the bounce back time is longer. Um, so things spin out of control longer. And then that, that kind of turns into this whole domino effect. Whereas older teams can, the turnaround times like, yeah, lost tough one. We know what we got to do. Trent Frazier was fantastic at that. Yeah. Like getting prepared to go play a Tuesday night in Lincoln, which is different than three, four years ago. Right. You know, you got Tommy Naga, you got, <laughs> you got your guy, but the, the last thing I'll mention quickly is when you have an older team and when you have a depth like this that you just hit on, Jeremy, uh, maturity. Yeah. Because I'm looking at 10 guys right now, point guard, Terrence Shannon, Damask, Hawkins, Danger, Harris, Harmon, Goody, Rogers, Quincy. 
someone's not getting the minutes they thought they were going to get mm-hmm. or multiple guys. So now that, that experience <laughs> comes in handy because now you, you hope that you have guys that understand the landscape of college basketball and how this all works and how, man, if you just buy in, yeah. trust me, like your moment will come and, and we'll win a lot of games. So I think that's, that's kind of first and foremost for those guys. I think that'll help Terrence and Coleman for sure. You tweeted out something else I want to get to here in a second, Mike, but Derek, uh, Dom's been going off. This is a good day, Dom. It's a good day, Dom, but he does ask a legit question. If Ray J doesn't come, then what? Asking for the chat. Um, we drink. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know. You're not in the the final group for and now Poland for Zion Poland. He's he's come down the UC Riverside transfer. Michigan's one of the five in that that final group. Just seemed like Illinois slow played that one a little bit. Wanted to see what Ray J was going to do. Obviously, they've been all in on that. And there's been some buzz on potential grad transfer options. Yuri Collins was one of those in case he were to come back to school. Uh, Isaiah Stevens from Colorado State, too. He ends up withdrawing from the draft, going back to Colorado State. So uh, I'm not going to say that it's it's empty in terms of the plan Bs, but it's getting down there where you need to hit on Ray J. You're going to have to figure something else out. So I don't have necessarily one guy to point to right now, but I wouldn't completely say that the portal's done with grad transfers and there is still the option. It would not be an ideal one. You go through the summer, somebody that needs eight, ten credits still to, to graduate this summer, and then, oh, they're in the portal. That's still possible, too. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens here. The other thing is you could add somebody who's not a natural point guard, which is not the the ideal here. Uh, but they just I add- should mention, uh, kind of on that note, I mean, I think they kind of look at him as a creator. Jeremiah Williams, who transferred last year to Iowa State, he was out all of last year, was in line – as far as I understand it, to be the starting point guard at Iowa State or, or very much in the mix there towards ACL. So he, he's coming off of that. And is he ready to be your lead guard if you were to get him this year? I, I don't think he's going to be available until later in the summer or closer to the fall. I'm not sure. But that's another guy they have connections to that they've been in contact with. And that, that's a potential fallback option in the case that Ray J doesn't happen. Mike, I want to ask you something else you, you tweeted about is um... – Getting these two guys back, it puts the people they added, the people that are coming back, into the roles they probably should be in, right? Like, it's amazing what, and you mentioned with Terrence, just bringing him back, the gravity of that and the rest of the roster. Yeah, I mean, look what guys playing out of their roles last year did. Yeah. Right? Like, you see the importance of it. And, I mean, I keep going back. I mean, give the staff a lot of credit, man. I, You know, the the pieces that they brought in – at the time, you know, you're like, man, these are good pieces. But imagine what these pieces would look like with with Coleman and, and Terrence. And it's almost like these pieces were as if these guys were coming back all along. Now we know that wasn't the case. Well, we mentioned but, at the time, Mike, just how like, okay, those guys can play with anybody, like regardless of what iteration this roster is. Right. But you wanted them to be role players. Yeah, I mean, you th- to be able to bring in guys that are additive to your situation still leave the door open for Terrence and Coleman to feel like they had pretty much their same type of role if not a little bit more coming back and still leave the door open for a point guard that's like hey I come in and I kind of have the ball. like that's that's 
pretty solid multitasking, I'd say, for a staff. And, you know, in this long of a stretch where you, you still had, you know, when all these guys joined, you still had NBA workouts, combine, interviews, all that stuff. I mean, Terrence Shannon could have gone eight for nine from three in one of those, <laughs> in one of those combine scrimmages. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, man, how are we going to replace 18 points a game? Um, but these guys make – they already made sense because because really Quincy – Damask and Harmon, they're good basketball players. Like they, they have good feel. So no matter, no matter what was going to happen, even if you had to rely on them more, it was still probably going to work out. Um, now it just works out even better that you got these guys coming back with added depth and, and veteran experience. So um, just, just really impressive, man. Um, let's see. Brad asked Derek, could Harmon play the point? He's played on the ball some. He did at Utah Valley. Mike's going to win fact- too. What's that? Mike's Go going ahead, too. Go ahead, pipe. Go for. It. I mean, he, his turnover rate was insanely high. Yeah. It, it was really high. So that that's a concern. Um, definitely, I think that he's shown. He, ideally, is a secondary playmaker, a combo guard, maybe a fill-in point off the bench if you need it. I, I still think that's something that maybe, given the current roster, could battle out between Ty and some spot minutes. Uh, Dre gives Lawhorn if he's ready to be in that position in some spot minutes. But in terms of, like, a primary on-the-ball dude, I, that's not what they envisioned for him, and I don't think that his metrics say that would be a great idea for him either. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I, no. I mean, for, for Harmon – and, look, that's and that's not a knock against him. I think the when you watch him uh, – and, and, look, I'm, I'm talking about this, you know, within the template of a point guard. Like, we, we have all this talk about a point guard, like setting guys up. Like, if you want – I mean, it would it would kind of be a Jaden Epps 2.0 situation. Um, and I'm not sure how much he – I'm not sure how much Harmon would elevate, right, um, as a point guard, elevate the guys around him. Now, I think you, you kind of do Harmon a disservice if you do put him in that position because I do think where Harmon will be best is just like – especially if he's coming off the bench, hey, don't even think. Like you got, if you got space, let it fly and and create off the bounce. Like he's 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 really a one read guy, and that's most guys are one read guys. I mean, the the multi read guys like a Coleman Hawkins or or you know other guys that are good point guards. Like that's what makes them good po- makes them good point guards. Um, mm-hmm. But for Harmon, that's just not that's not where you're going to get the most out of him. So I think uh, he's best is kind of more in like a microwave type role off the bench and he's going to have times where maybe he makes a play where you're like, Oh, could he be point? But it's, it's probably not going to be the case. So, um, and if that was the case, they would probably just be like, well, yeah, why, why are we going after anyone else? Harmon is just our point guard. So, uh, it's very clear that they're, <laughs> that they're trying to still address that. Uh, Chad asked Derek, what would the lineup look like right now? Are we including a point guard or not? Point just, guard to be named later. Yeah. PG TBD. PG TBD, Terrence Shannon Jr. This is my opinion. Terrence Shannon Jr., Marcus Domask, Quincy Garrier, Coleman Hawkins. That would be my five. I'd bring Dane off the bench. I think you do run into a little bit of an issue. Ty and Dane in that going to the scorer's table together in the second unit. So maybe you got to make a decision with maybe it's Garrier or Domask subs out. Maybe you put Ty in that mix, or maybe you want to play big with Coleman at the four. And and then Dane at the five. I, I just 
I really like Gary A and Coleman together. I, I like the dynamic of, of stressing that defense early with kind of the spacing. That's the route I would go, but I, I, I do think it's a decision that you'd have to make in terms of that the three-point shooting in that second unit and Sincere's in that second unit as well if, if you are forecasting that scenario. Mike, who you got? I think I, Yeah, I think you got to stagger Dane and a lot of Dane and Ty's minutes. Um, so I think first and foremost, same, same lineup. I'd probably go Dane at the five um, to start just so that, you know, that first initial, as we're talking about, rotations and, and subs uh with hypothetical rosters it's not even june uh, 1st yet a little less yeah a little less hypothetical but you know if you have quincy and ty coming off the bench which is what i would have at the moment that way you can bring rogers in to get the mask and you can bring garrier in uh bring quincy in to get dane um so then that way you have your point guard you have terrence you have rogers you have coleman and you have quincy um and then maybe at the this is getting super, super in the weeds here, but maybe at like the 14 minute mark, that's when you bring in Goody for Hawkins for a quick blow. And like you get some shooting on the floor, bring Damask in, maybe Goody and Damask on the floor at the same time. And at kind of like that 10 to eight minute mark. Um, you guys want the whole rotations for the second half as well. <laughs> but uh, no, I think there's, I think what's fun is you have, such a talented roster and an older roster that you can really play around with this. And and I think you can, you know, if you, whether you start Dane or you start Quincy, I think you're, you're kind of in good shape regardless because you can, you can flip and mix and match. And um, you know, the one thing is these starting lineups can change throughout the season and, and we'll see, we'll see who, who, who kind of plays their way in, plays their way out. Um, but I have a really hard time with the point guard, Shannon Hawkins, they feel pretty firm. Yeah. Um, but but we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. I am intrigued, Piper, by that idea of Rodgers starts with Gary A um, or with Domask and then bringing one of those other guys off the bench. Because those other guys, whether it's Domask or Gary A, they could still play 25 minutes, right? And they'd probably be in the closing lineup. But uh, just to give you some offense off the bench and kind of balance things will make some sense. Yeah, I agree. And you do want to have – that kind of shooting balance with rotations. You don't, we saw lineups last year when you got sincere out there and, and you had Dane and, uh, and RJ and his funk and, and just the way that the, the floor was, was shrinking in, in that sense. And the, and the defense able to pack the lane, you, you don't want that type of a, a situation. So I, I think it's a, a very fair point to try to max that, whether it's going to be Dane in there, whether it's going to be Ty in there. I mean, they got a lot of time to, to figure that thing out, but yeah. Good problem to have with so many options. I mean, we saw not not to directly compare them to UConn, but some real like eight, nine, sometimes even ten deep. That that worked for them pretty well, and I think it's an asset for Illinois they can use. Mike, I'll give you this one. Brian, who takes the ball at the end of games next year? Shannon sometimes deferred last year. Is he the dominant alpha of this team, or is it one of the transfers? Do we make I mean, too that's... much big of a deal of that? Who takes the ball? Or is that legit? Like, because I, I I think it's legit. Uh, um, you know, Shannon at the end of games wasn't his problem. It was the beginning of games mostly. Well, if you have, if you, let me put it this way: if you go and get Ray J. Dennis, he's likely going to be triggering whatever you run at the end of the game. And I think there is something to be said about having a guy at the end of the game, um, because you know, and I don't say that in the sense it's like. 
hey, we need a guy that just like wants the moment and wants to score that last bucket. There's probably a few guys on this team that would want that and can't and are capable of that. It's what it does to the defense, right? Like when you have a guy, when you have a Terrence Shannon where it's like, hey, Terrence is going to take this last shot. Now you can you can manipulate the defense in a way where you can use him as a decoy. You can, you know, you can do a lot of things. So there's there's a lot of value in having a guy like that. Um my guess is that it's going it's going to be whoever the point guard is and or yeah. Terrence yeah. It would be my guess. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um I want to bring this up. Big day for the Big Ten, right? I mean, Zach Eady back. Cliff Omarui back. Biggest news. Kase Tominaga back at Nebraska. Uh, Michigan State, Jaden Akins and A.J. Hogard are back. Um, listen, I know this league has not been good uh, in the NCAA tournament, Derek, but uh, that's a pretty good day for the league getting the National Player of the Year back. Michigan State is absolutely loaded. Brad Underwood just tweeted out a video of him going crazy. Um, so we'll see. Uh, if there's anything else we got to react to tonight, but um, yeah, Derek, this is uh, the league should be pretty good this year. I, I think you know Purdue coming back. We'll see if they can do the Virginia thing, but they're going to be really good regular season team, that's for sure. And, and Michigan State, I think, is a top ten team. I, I do think they're that good. It will be different than last year, where you didn't have a surefire top ten team out of the league. Uh, coming into the year in terms of the AP top 25, Michigan State's going to be that team. I would imagine you look at Torvik right now, they're number seven, just to be able to bring back pretty much everybody outside of Hauser and then just get those those talented freshmen coming in, Xavier Booker, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremy Fears, and uh, there's another another piece in there, the top, top 50 type of athletic wing that, that's coming to town as well uh, there in East Lansing. But, yeah, Edie coming back, you wondered why that was – a little quiet for a while today is like is he actually going to stay in but uh no the big fellow is back and uh i mean they're going to be a really good regular season team again uh, we'll see how much maturing and just progression that they have with those guards with Braden smith and, and fletcher lawyer i know they throw in the siu transfer as well to see uh, if they can just have more of a dynamic backcourt but i mean he's obviously a load indiana's a really interesting team uh, i know that they're, them and Wisconsin, Torvik has top 30 teams right now, kind of that 25 to 30 range. Wisconsin gets everybody back. And, I mean, they, they've got some decent pieces. Connor Asesian, I'm a big fan of him. I think mm -hmm. he takes an, a nice step as a sophomore. Indiana's front court's very good. Is their backcourt good enough? They do get Xavier Johnson back. But uh, they were hoping to, to get another combo guard. They wanted to be in the Ray J. Dennis mix. Wondered, would they get back in it with Caleb Love? They didn't. So I think one of the questions still is going to be how many legit contenders are there in the league? Uh, that's going to be a question. Like the fact that Michigan's fallen off. Maryland was really hoping to, to get Hunter Dickinson to put them in a, in a real contender type of national contender type of position. They're still pretty good it, though. Yeah. <laughs> they're still pretty good. Jameer Young, Julian good. Reese, Dante Scott. That's pretty good. For sure. Hakeem Hart exit Gone. could hurt them a little yeah. bit, but um, yeah, Illinois, Michigan state, and then you got some other teams, Indiana, Purdue, obviously, that can battle it out there at the top. It's it's a, a decent league, and we'll see if uh, there's enough of that pop at the top to really make some pushes in the tournament, which has really been lacking of late. Mike, I texted you I'm going to be too high in Rutgers in Nebraska next year. Listen, I don't think they're contenders, but I like what they're doing, man. Like, Hoiberg's kind of saved himself and Peichel. Man, he's just got a culture there, and getting Omarui back is, is so big. 
Yeah, and look, if you're going to win the league, you gotta you gotta win games, right? And, and the the stronger, I think last last year in particular was the strongest I've seen like nine through 13 be in the league in a long time. So it just, that's, that's why this league ended up kind of cannibalizing itself. And and you mentioned Nebraska. I mean, Bryce Williams was a guy that I thought would, would have been a good Illinois target. Nebraska scoops him up. Um, they go get rink mass from, from Bradley, who was an all Missouri Valley guy. And then they got Aaron Euless, I think is, is another one that I think people kind of forget about um, who had some good games this year for, for Iowa and, now is making the move over to Nebraska. Uh, Iowa's another one that, you know, they're in the Grant Nelson sweepstakes. Uh, they've got a couple talented bigs, one from Valpo, one from Belmont. Um, shocker, Iowa's got some bigs. Um, they're trying to probably pitch the Luca Garza uh, role again to three different guys somehow. Um, you know, Wisconsin gets A.J. Store. I mean, there's a lot of – there's been a nice little influx of, of talent. Now, Michigan State – I, I just it's to me it's very reminiscent of Indiana last year. Hmm. And and Jeremy, you know how I felt about Indiana last year. This is what we do. I just like the guard play better, Mike. I, I just, know you I do. Like the guard play. I know you do, but this yeah. is I'm saying this is what we do as a collective uh, you know, fans of college basketball and we watch the NCAA tournament and you know, you say, Oh, this guy's coming back from that NCAA tournament team. This guy's coming back, right? Tyson Walker's coming back. You know, AJ Hoggery, all yeah. these guys are coming back. That Michigan State team finished nine and nine last year yeah. to finish the season. Like they they finished five hundred in their last eighteen games, including their Sweet Sixteen run. And they lost Hauser, right? So, so like that's my thing is you know we get so wrapped up and enamored with guys that are returning, but just like Indiana, like I said way back when on the preseason pod, I don't see it with Indiana, but. If Jalen Hood Shafino and Malik Renew are as advertised and contribute, that brings them up another level into that top four type range. And that's kind of where it's hard, right? There were seven teams that were right there that yeah. you want to, you could probably call top four. Um, but they propelled themselves in that range, just like Michigan State, as is without the freshman. I'm kind of like, eh, okay. Like, I don't, I don't see them as this contender, but with, the with the additions of the young guys if they can be additive in that sense sure yeah. i mean sure they can they can make a run at it the teams that got worse um indiana probably right i mean it was tjd and jalen hutchfino and listen i'm just i, I need Khalil Ware to play better than he did at oregon to to be enamored with him I, he's great talent we'll see what mike woodson can do with him um obviously minnesota <laughs> got even worse than what they were um, Iowa, Michigan, definitely. Yeah, Derek. Uh, yeah, Iowa probably. Yeah. I mean, right? you lose you lose a first round pick, and yeah. I'm not. I know they're in the Grant Nelson sweepstakes, but it feels like he's might be like Bama or Baylor. Um, you know, I, maybe Florida State and Iowa are the ones that are on the outside looking in. Penn State, for that one. Penn State. I like Ace Baldwin a lot. Like, yeah, a lot. I mean, you get. I mean, I'm. Puff Johnson's Puff Johnson. It's a fun name. We'll see how he translates over to the to the Big Ten. But um, they got Penn State got someone else. I remember I remember seeing them get um, the name escapes me. But yeah, I think I don't know. It's going to be one of those things this year where you know Northwestern probably is going to get a little worse. Um, Adige is a big decision, man. Like yeah, I mean that's an all defense guy, 
and that's that was kind of their calling card last year. Um, obviously, you you get. I mean, Boo Boo is returning, right? Yes. So now it's it's. Uh, He's get so Tr- many shots. Trotter will tell you it's Barnheiser season. Um, yeah, he's good. But uh, you know they, you know Nicholson, I think is back, right? Should be, I think, yeah. So you know they'll be they'll be frisky, like they always are. Um, you know you're still gonna have to bring it. I think for a lot of these teams in the league, you're still gonna have to bring it. There's no, I, I don't think the bottom of this league, besides eh, maybe Minnesota, is like, hey, pencils in for you know, two and O or one and O against these teams. And I think one, one we have, have we touched on Ohio state? No, that's kind of, I was going to bring them up because it's kind of like, a, Oh, there's a lot of youth there. They lost their best Famous player. Battle. Yeah. They, but they lost sensible, but it's like at times sensible hurt the team uh, as talented as he was. And by the you're, I mean, Bruce Thornton in that big 10 tournament was awesome. So is McNeil gone. He's back. I he? think he can come back. Yeah. If he hasn't already, that was a two year guy. Let me look it up. Yeah. Go ahead. They should. They won't be. I don't think they'll be as bad as last year. And that's that's not to say that they've had this offseason where they're going to improve. I just don't think they'll be as bad as last year. I mean, it's a lot of the same guys. But I mean, you basically trade out um, a guy that was addicted to nineteen footers for a guy that's addicted <laughs> to nineteen footers in Sensabaugh and Jameson Battle. Um, so you at least have that going for you. But I don't know. Like yeah, I, I think don't, there's I don't no way McNeil they don't back. win more than what they win four games in conference. They're going to win more. They're going to win, like they're going to win more than that. Yeah, would be so, my guess. So Torvik has Thornton, Key, Battle, Gale, who finished year gray, Akpara, uh, good freshman class, Royal, Chapman, Middleton. I don't see McNeil on that list, but I, I'd have to look. Mm. Up. Maybe maybe he's gone. And and this is this is I think going to be Ohio State's biggest issue this year is Felix Akpara should play more than Zed Key. He should. He he Long. fits. He fits more because he's low maintenance offensively. You don't have to throw it into him. He's a lob threat, and he's and he blocks shots. Yeah, McNeil's gone, by the way. He's gone. Well, there, yeah, there you go. So I guess I don't know. I I still think, regardless, they win more than four games in conference this year. Yeah, have to. That was absurd. They're way too talented. Yeah, way way too talented. Piper, who do you like? Who do you like in this conference? Like whether it's like, hey, I'm going to pick this team to win, or it's a team I like more than other people. Oh man. I was way too high on Ohio State last year. Me and Isaac Trotter bit the bullet on that. Um, Should we be higher on Wisconsin? The store ads pretty decent for them, and there was talk early in the spring that uh, Chucky was going to be on the on the out, but he wasn't. You got him back. You got Krause, decent player. Tyler Wall still like him. I mean, I felt like a team that underachieved that last year. Like I, I know they're not the most talented, Mike, but there there's some there's some good players there. It's Wisconsin. They'll be they'll they'll hang around. They'll hang around. I don't know what I don't know what the stretch boat Ryan had at one point, but it was like it was like uh, seventeen straight top four finishes in the Big Ten, which is insane. You see Illinois over the years how hard that's how hard that was for so long, and then you know it feels like the past couple of years they figured that out. But Wisconsin, they'll be you know they'll they'll be they'll do what they do. They need now they need to probably get a little bit more athletic and mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, that's just that was their biggest issue last year. I mean, when they played any type of team yeah. that had a post presence or um, just was just had more size and athleticism, it was kind of a wrap. So, yeah. um, if they can figure that out and shore that up, then you know they got the, the, the Gus coming in, um, right? I think the the big big kid from they got a God big kid where. named Gus. 
Yeah. No, he's good. That's so Wisconsin. He's good. No, he's good. I think he's he, like he's a ball is life sensation. Yeah. yeah no, he's working everything. Yeah, he's like kind of an oversized. I don't know. Dan, I don't know Dan, people wear out the dancing bear cliche, yeah. but one of those. Uh, Torvik has Purdue number one in the country. Michigan State um, seven, so two. Right now, he has Illinois, the third best team in the Big Ten. Indiana, fourth. Wisconsin, five. Northwestern, six. I would imagine that goes down. Maryland, seven. Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska, Rutgers, Michigan. What a disaster that has been this offseason, boys. And Penn State last, yes. Penn State last below Minnesota. Is Penn State below Minnesota? Yeah, right now. Yeah, Minnesota 122nd, Penn State 137th. Kevin McHale coming back? I mean, out of like what? Let's see, the best players, I'll, I'll name them because you were thinking of guys. Ace Baldwin, Zach Hicks, Raquandis Mitchell. Oh, Caduce Wahab. Was that who you were thinking of? Wahab coming back to the Big Ten? Definitely not Wahab. <laughs> Puff Johnson. Uh, that's the top five. Kanye Clay. I think it, it might have been Mitchell. I think it was, yeah. I think it was Mitchell. All right. That's a surprise to see. Yeah, from UMKC. Yeah. There you go. They need to start letting – just to make them more intriguing, Minnesota should be able to draft somebody who <laughs> once played at Minnesota to come back. Like, the, Can they just get the Hollins brothers? That's what their name, right? The <laughs> – the, the Hollins not, brothers to come back. Not I, brothers. I not brothers. <laughs> Somehow. Not brothers. They're not brothers. I don't think so. No. Okay. Man. Good players, though. Yeah. He's he's not getting a fourth year, right? <laughs> Shouldn't. I don't worry. Yeah. That, that's a, that's an absolute disaster. Um, Oahe, I, I said this early in the chat. Coleman is the first Underwood recruit to stay for all four years. I think this is both a statement of how good Iowa and Kofi were. I mean, Trent technically was not an Underwood recruit. DeMonte technically not an Underwood recruit. But those guys stayed five years. Um, but I think it says about a little bit of talent, but also just college basketball these days, right? Like, if you're good enough, you're going to get drafted. If you're not getting playing time, you're going to transfer. But it's an interesting stat nonetheless, Derek. It is. I, in talking to some people around Coleman, they, they brought that up, the fact that he's been able to – Really take hard coaching, ride it out. And I think that's a great sell for Brad, especially if a fourth year means going to the first round next year. Like the fact that it took some – not that he was just completely off the radar, but he's a three-star recruit, you know, a top 150 type of guy, paid his dues, had to wait behind some some guys when they had a, an older team, a, a team that was a one seed, ultimately able to, able to uh, buy into that role and, and work his way up. So – uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the the growing trend across college basketball, it's just the portal. If you don't play that as much as you want, you're out. If you don't like the coach, you're out. If your circle says you want more money or they just tell you to leave, you're out. So uh, there's a lot of that going on. And then when you recruit guys that are high profile, top 50 type of guys, those gen tend to look towards the NBA if they are in that position in terms of early exits. So you had a mix of different things, but I will give Coleman his credit for he's had the opportunity to portal if he wanted to. Mike brought it up. Like if he didn't think that Illinois was the best situation, if he didn't want to play for Brad anymore, he could have came back to college and went somewhere and made that money and, and was able to develop. So I, I think that it is something to be said for the four years with him. And Mike, the other thing Brad can sell right now, I mean, he, Io developed into an All-American and NBA draft pick. 
Kofi did me coming at me a draft pick, but was a two-time All-American. You know, Coleman, I think, really has a chance if if he can show he can shoot, he can cut down on the turnovers. In what is a weaker draft class next year, I think he can gain more than Shannon by coming back another year and potentially be a first-round pick if he, if he can do some of those things, or at least a guaranteed uh, money kind of deal. And if Shannon and Hawkins are both drafted next year, I mean, let's be honest, Mike, that was a long drought between Myers and, and Io, right? Nine years between, you know, draft picks for Illinois. If you can start getting guys in the league every year or two, man, that's a, that's just a huge thing in recruiting because, you know, some guys go to college because that, that's going to be the highest level they can play at. A lot of those guys want – everybody that's going to college basketball wants to play in the NBA, and that's one of the most important things in, in, in any kind of pitch. Yeah, I mean, it's a feather in Brad Underwood's cap. There's no question. I think it's part of the reason why I have a sliver of, of sympathy for Juwan Howard. It's like he's just, yeah. you know, he's a prisoner of his own players going to the NBA and having to start over sure. every single year with a lot of those guys. I mean, you know, a few of those guys, you know, um, what's his face? Uh, who was the guy last year? Caleb Houston, Musa Dubate. Caleb Houston. And, I mean, think about Briz Dacus. I mean, Briz Dacus goes yeah. – and he's kind of out of the league. Not kind of. He is out of the league now. But, look, I think and, – and to hit on that, commenters, you know, Coleman, first four-year guy, Devo Davis just returned for Arkansas today, and now Brad Underwood and Musselman are tied. Yeah. Because that Devo's is – a hell of a player. That's Eric Musselman's first. Yeah. Um, so – you know, I think, Has he recruited a high school kid yet? I don't even. I guess yeah, Nick Smith and they they do. And they they might, just go to the NBA after one year. Um, I, I I for some reason I had done some research on that because I was really curious to see if he had who like had stayed the longest. And not only was it, I think he was four years. Devo's now four years, and there was maybe I think one other guy that was three. Hmm. Other than that, it was like twenty four out of the twenty nine either were gone after one year or transferred in and played two. Um, so it's interesting, but I think it, it does change. It changed the pitch. I mean, it's another slide that you can add when you're going through. I don't know if they still do PowerPoints nowadays. I have no idea. I, I don't know how these, how these official visits work. It's probably like some hologram at this point. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that it's just another way to, uh, when you're walking through the practice facility, right? You know, you, you know, I'm sure there's some sort of picture of Iowa in a Chicago Bulls jersey, and then you get a couple more guys into the draft. But, you know, Coleman in particular – yeah, I mean, you watch those those combine scrimmages and the dudes that have feel, which, you know, Coleman does, yeah. those guys pop in those scrimmages because there were a lot of guys in those scrimmages who when they don't have this, like, incubated system of I have the ball and I – they can't function. And Coleman can, and that's part of the reason. That is Coleman's elite trait. Um, and when you have an elite trait and your elite trait is feel, now when you add these other little parts of your game – it just accentuates it. I mean, that's what I mean. Seth Lundy's a guy where you know when you when you stack Seth Lundy up with another guy that's a first team All Big Ten guy or a first team All SEC guy this year, Seth Lundy may end up having a longer NBA career because he has an elite trait. Mm-hmm. And so, like you you play into that, and that's why I think they trust Brad Underwood going back to the system because they know that Brad Underwood is going to coach them and play them to their strengths. Um, and that's important because there's a lot of guys around college basketball that can be misused, yeah. I guess is the word I'll use. Yeah. Uh, I want to wrap this thing up here very, very shortly. Um, but Derek, any any last thoughts uh, on this, in, this entire thing? Because this is just 
a huge day for Illinois basketball that they can absolutely be a top half Big Ten team. I'd mark them as that. I'm going to predict them as that. Yeah, to AJ Dennis, obviously, then maybe you're probably getting my top four conversation, top three conversation. Um, just a, a huge day for Illinois basketball. And the offseason before AJ Dennis has gone to what Brad Underwood wanted. Finally got answers. We've been waiting for a long time. And I'm happy about that. I know the fans are happy about that. Uh, I did, on a side note, I wanted to almost pull an Adam Schefter and answer a phone call on the pod because uh, things are still happening. So we got to go ahead and answer you know, it, man. I'll, I'll, I'll click you no, out of no, here. No, I, I don't think I can do that. If it's important, uh, man, if it's important, I'll get you off the phone. I'll get you off the thing and we'll okay. I can go. Okay. All right. Uh, Ray J. Dennis still a big deal, but huge day for Illini, for the line. I went as well as, as you could have hoped. And they hope that one more domino will fall. All right. Get out of here. Take that phone call. But if it's uh, something we need to know, come back on here. All right. All right, well, say say it's like the Shams moment. For yeah, Piper. take take the call, Pipe. I'm like, just get get the hell out of here. This isn't yeah. important. We're in like minute seventy six of yeah. this podcast, which, by the way, there are still seven hundred and fifty people on this. You guys are crazy. Unreal. Thank you for the support. Uh, it is Unreal. fantastic, but obviously, just a monster day uh, for Illinois basketball. I, I had another thought, Mike, but um, just overall thoughts for people that maybe didn't chime in of just any last thoughts you have here yeah i think just these these kids you know because they are i mean they're 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 college kids i mean it's uh they especially coleman and and terrence just i I think they deserve to be applauded for their patience and thoroughness throughout this entire process because they needed to and and look i think there are a lot of things, you know, we just expect this to be some sort of independent decision. Um, but the way drafts work, uh, you are not the only person in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the information that you have to take in and dissect, um, it's heavily predicated on other people and what other people are doing because that can affect you. So, you know, I think about with, with Terrence, I mean, if you're eyeing, you know, the 36th pick to the Orlando Magic and you want to guarantee or you want to promise. I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. One is, okay, well, who are the guys that are at my position or around the same range? Who's staying? Who's going? They, you want to know all that info. So when Julian Strother from Gonzaga stays in the draft and is kind of a, somewhat of a similar player to Terrence and, like, maybe he's higher on the Magic's board than Terrence. Like, that, all that stuff factors in. So that's why with these guys waiting so long, it's not – a troll job it's not to keep you waiting it's it's to really assess and have all the information because for all of us that's how we make decisions so it should be no different for these guys it's life-changing man like and these are people like these are real life things that coleman has to to make the decision of man i'm ready to go like he he feels ready to go like he's ready to do it and as you said like you're going through these workouts you feel like you belong you feel like your game can go to another level when that's all you do you don't have to go to school. You get to play every day. You get to, to be around professionals all the time, and that's your life. And let's be honest, if you can make the NBA, it's an awesome lifestyle, right? Like G League might be a little bit different if you're on a two-way deal, but again, you can work on your game while getting paid to do it. Um, but he also has to have the thought of, what if I don't get drafted? Like that's yeah. like these guys are just in fascinating Situations. It's not like Kobe Bufkin or Bryce Sensabaugh that those guys know they're going to get guaranteed deals. And we had somebody earlier um, say that 
the idea is to get drafted in the first round. I think that's a little outdated. Yes, the first round draft pick, you are guaranteed money. Like that is the biggest thing. Second round picks, man, if you're a top 15 in that second round, you're likely to get a guaranteed deal. And Mike, I don't want to get too in the weeds, but you and I were texting about this earlier. The NBA, their their new uh, CBA that passes, it's going to be very difficult to keep players. Like the this salary cap is basically going to be kind of a hard cap based on some of the rules they have going in. So these second round picks are going to be so valuable because they're so cheap relatively to the other NBA contracts when you can keep a second round pick for a million to a million and a half per year. I think these second round picks, a lot of them are going to guarantee deals moving forward. And, and a lot of them, like, I, I just think the second round picks are going to get a lot more valuable. So I think that's evolving a little bit more that it's not just about being a first round pick. It's just about getting guaranteed money. Yeah. And I think the other, I think the other thing too is going back to these players that want promises in the second round. I mean, I'm a firm believer. I think there's going to be a ton of movement in, in this draft. So even if you get a promise, that may be a promise at the moment. But if you're, I'll keep sticking with the Orlando Magic at 36 pick. Um, you know, if if you if you're the Orlando Magic and you get a call from the Los Angeles Clippers um, because they want this second round pick because they're a team that is over that second apron of the luxury tax. And if you're over that second apron of the luxury tax next summer, you're in trouble. Because now, now you can't trade picks that are, are more than six years out, and there's a lot of penalties that you have. You can't use your mid-level exception. Um, you can't get you when you make a trade. You can't take on more money than you already have or that you have outgoing. Um, it's it's big. It, it's big, and it, it has major ramifications. Where you're going to have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant making 102 million of your whatever 132 million dollar. <laughs> salary cap so who do you want you want the valuable guys that are second round picks that are on cheap deals that are on you know million to like you said 1.5 million dollar deals and um now we see with the miami heat and we see with other teams where whether you're second round pick or undrafted you can find those guys but i i worry that i worried about some of the guys that were in the draft process being like oh man if i just get undrafted i mean look at Gabe Vincent and look at Duncan Robinson. Like, I'll just get undrafted. Like, these guys are playing in the NBA Finals. It's like, well, you know, that's that's usually not the case. And the Miami Heat are a little bit different. Yeah, so. a little bit different. A little bit different. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon, back with Illinois. This offseason has been a whirlwind. It's not quite over, but 12 scholarships are accounted for. And Illinois going for one more big fish here with Ray J. Dennis. Michael Tuop, man, I uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, appreciate the insight, and I know all the fans do as well. So appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Uh, incredible day. This, is, this <laughs> has been insane. I'm exhausted. I'm sure you're exhausted. Pipes still burning the midnight oil. So I appreciate it, man. All right. See you, Mike. See you. All right. Great stuff from Michael Tuop, Derek Piper. If we got anything else tonight, uh, we'll have it at IlliniInquirer.com. More than 700 of you guys still here. Can't thank you guys enough, to be honest with you. Give us a like on this video. If you're not subscribed yet to our YouTube channel, we love doing these, and obviously they're great for the emergency podcasts. Um, so if there's any other news coming up, we will certainly pop back on here and talk about it with you guys. So just appreciate all of you. If you're just listening on the podcast, appreciate you guys as well. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody have a great night. Take care of each other. Have a beer like we had on this podcast. I'm sure a couple of you guys are a couple in already. But everybody, great night. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Choir Podcast. 
Bye, everybody.